Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome back. It's the Book of Joe podcast with me, Tom Verducci, and my good buddy, Joe Madden. And the World Series is in the books, Joe. The Houston Astros are 2022 world champions. I know as manager of the Angels, you got some good looks at this team during the year. I'm guessing you're probably not surprised that they wound up being the last team standing. Not at all. I mean, when I was uh, pushed and asked before this whole thing started, I thought they were the best team in the uh, in the hunt uh, Seeing primarily, you know, the Yankees, and I get to see the Dodgers this year, the Padres, but I watched them a little bit. Uh, but uh, what I was really betting on was their pitching staff more than anything. Uh, and, of course, the guy that came through, Alvarez, there at the end, I, I just think he's one of the best hitters in the game. I was really thinking about that yesterday, uh, probably just fatigued. I think that's where his bat went for a while. They were pitching him tough, elevated in, kind of like they go after um, Anthony Rizzo at times with these lefties, and especially because he's so closed off. But he finally got back to it. Um, and again, the rest of the team, they play such good defense. Their pitching was outstanding. Uh, you know, on paper, I, there's nothing that really lights you up, uh, kind of, other than because uh, even their starting pitchers like Valdez, people really didn't know. I guess he had a bad postseason last year. And, and uh, Javier, people really don't know. And all these guys coming out of the pen, people really don't know. If you actually watch them, they're that good. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Dusty. James Click is a friend of mine, too. Um, so they they did it the old-fashioned way with outstanding pitching. And last point, I think last game was almost formulaic, the way it worked out for the Astros. They could not have asked for a better script. Yeah, listen, no fluke whatsoever. We're talking about a team that won 106 games in the regular season and ran through the postseason with an 11-2 and record. Now, since we've gone to the three rounds, divisional play, the multi-tiered postseason format, it's just this Astros team and the 98 Yankees that have put up those kind of win numbers in the regular season and the postseason. So you called it, Joe. They do To me, they do everything well. I, I have to start with the fact that there's so much swing and miss in that pitching step, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, they set a World Series record, and this is without playing a Game 7, with 71 punch-outs in six games. It's just about 12 strikeouts per game. So now you only have to defend 15 outs because the pitcher and catcher take care of 12 of them. Right. And when they do have to take care of outs on defense, their defense is spectacular. 
I'll give you one stat, Joe. Batting average on balls in play in the World Series. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's got a lot to do with defense, but also has to do with pitching staffs getting weak contact because when the, when the Astros weren't striking people out, they were getting weak contact. The Astros hitters against the Philadelphia staff had a 309 batting average on balls in play. And the Philadelphia hitters against the Houston pitchers, 205. 104 point difference and a huge difference in the strikeout totals as well. It was plus 14 for the Houston Astros. So I don't want to say they dominated Philly because Philly to me gave them a run. They pushed them. Let's not forget they had a two games to one lead. Uh, But yeah, six games, the better team did wind up winning. Well, hearing all that, it's going to, I think there's going to be a big push in all of baseball, but particularly in the um, AL West to get uh, more of a contact oriented group within your offense um, I, I think part of that is the one-way method of, of teaching hitting these days. It's the lift the ball, elevate the ball. I'm not diminishing the abilities of the Astros pitching staff, but uh, for the most part, the way hitting is taught with, with the way these guys throw the ball, um, you can see uh, the swing and miss being part of it. Segura is an example of a guy that knows how to move the ball in a situation, and he did uh, for the most part. Um, Real Muto is the guy that surprised me. I think he was just absolutely gassed as an example. But uh, it's uh, the fact that the, the league reacts on an annual basis. Everybody's going to talk about exactly what you just said. And so how do you beat the Astros next year? Do you just go up there and try to hit home runs against them? Or do you try to sprinkle your lineup with guys that can actually move the ball in situations and help create a different kind of a vibe within your team offensively? These are the kind of things, if I'm in the AL West, I'd have to approach and think about. Uh, their pitching staff's not going away. Uh, we talked about it the other day. A guy like Valdez, who the Phillies had just seen, and, uh, and everybody's going with the conventional thought that, well, they've seen him several times now. Of course, they're going to catch up to him. I'm here to tell you, if he pitched against them next week or five days from now, he'd have the same kind of result. With good health, this pitching staff's going to be that good. But I think it's going to take a different mindset, a different method um, regarding how to beat this group or, or you know, pitching in general where you get to these teams like you're talking about that uh, really have a lot of swing and miss and the ball's not moved. And I didn't even think of it in the terms that you stated, but there's only 15 balls that had to be accounted for in play. Uh, That's pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, listen, you mentioned Valdez and they did. I give the Phillies credit. They made an adjustment against him in the game. They they did not change. They didn't chase the curveball early in the game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Valdez and Maldonado, they're just so good working together. They just went to a plan B and he started throwing some more sinkers and his sinker is crazy. He's throwing it harder than he ever has in his career. He's hitting 97. He typically sits 93, 94 with crazy movement. So, yeah, the stuff is real. We talked about Javier with that invisible fastball that he has. Uh, The bullpen, I mean, it reminded me a little bit of Atlanta last year where Brian Snicker went to his bullpen early and often, knowing it's so deep, nobody got overused, and he had multiple good options. You see a lot of teams like Philadelphia, you know, the manager, let's face it, Joe, you love to have as many of those winning pieces as you call them in the bullpen, but Rob Thompson really only had two, maybe three, to go to to shut the game down, and Dusty just had so many more options. I call them even or ahead guys. Um, There's a difference. Uh, You know, it really stands out during the regular season. Um, for the teams that we talk about Houston winning 106 games, you have to have more than four even or ahead guys. My number was at least four to have in a, in a bullpen to be successful. And I don't, I don't know that it's 106 games successful, but even or ahead guys, you could bring in a game when the score's tied or you're ahead. Different reaction from, from a lot of relief pitchers as opposed to when you're behind. So uh, when, you could, when you could stack your group with people that you believe and know uh, can 
pitch in those tight moments. I'm talking from the sixth inning on. And even sometimes to hold a small deficit, knowing that your offense is capable or the other team's bullpen is not as capable. That was a big factor in the 0-8 Rays run to the World Series was uh, J.P. Howe and Grant Balfour. These guys pretty much like the middle inning closers, and that's what we were doing back then, is try to keep the game either close or hold a, a tie or slight lead in the middle part of the game. And, and, and a part of that that theory, too, is that you have to realize you're 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 uh, capable and allowed to score more runs. So if you keep that game in check, sixth or seventh, then all of a sudden you have a nice two or three point seventh or eighth inning. All of a sudden it, it presents differently at the end of the game. But you have to have these guys on board. It's it's not easy to find. It's something that you know for me what you would want to nurture in the off season. Really trying to uh, establish and find those kind of guys and pay them and have them. And the other part is to find them yourselves among your group. Some guys just aren't st- uh, cut out for starting, and those are the kind of things you have to make that kind of judgment on early. Uh, but when you could get a combination of youth, and I love the veteran relief pitcher, quite frankly, because normally these guys know how to either walk into a tough moment or know how to, to shake off a bad one. And, and, and there really can be the stability of, of, a, of a really good baseball team uh, is any bullpen, and that's why this, this team won. Uh, yesterday and moving forward, I would really start with a dynamic bullpen where people consider it volatile, but when you get to seven games at the end of the year, you like one that you could really count on. Yeah, and along those lines, Joe, I give a really big props to the Astros for identifying those kind of players in the bullpen and even position players. Mm-hmm. They just they're just terrific at it. You look at the major contributors in Game Six there, Jordan Alvarez. They got it for Josh Fields, a middle reliever at the trade deadline in sixteen. The Dodgers needed a middle reliever, and mm-hmm. the uh, the Astros identified Alvarez as a guy they tried to sign on the international free agent market just a few months earlier. But the Dodgers had a little more money on the table. Signs with the Dodgers never played an affiliated game with the Dodgers and was traded just a few weeks after he signed. And so it was a scout, Charlie Gonzalez, that saw him when he was a free agent, said, we need to find a way to get this guy. They did. Think about Jeremy Pena, shortstop from the University of Maine, right? 101 players were picked ahead of him in the draft. The Astros not only drafted him, developed him, and when Carlos Correa was a free agent, they were very comfortable letting a top shortstop like Correa leave, trusting that Pena could be that guy he was. Ryan Presley, a guy they traded for for the Minnesota Twins because they loved the spin rate on his breaking ball. You know, we already talked about Valdez, Abreu, Garcia, all these guys they drafted out of Latin America who are not top prospects, but they scouted athleticism, they scouted arm actions. Mm-hmm. Give the Astros credit because up and down the lineup, major contributors they turned some pieces that not everybody was on into major contributors. Yeah, I think it's a combination of analytics and good old-fashioned baseball scouting. It sounds like that to me. Uh, But this is a perfect example for me where analytics can shine to identify the kind of player that you're looking for that you believe plays or plays in that particular ballpark or you've seen uh, be very successful with your group in the recent past. So uh, you get guys like Alvarez or others, uh, Pena, uh, University of Maine, I'd love to know if that was uh, more of a, a really eyeball kind of a situation where a scout, uh, area scout or supervisor saw this guy, guy and kept pushing, pushing, push, pushing, and you were done. I, I'm curious about that one, too. It sounds to me like that was an eyeball situation because there was not enough data to, to accumulate it to determine whether you like him analytically or not. But that's, that's what a, to me, that's the best way to do it. You, you combine all of these things. But at the end of the day, uh, analytically speaking, I think to me that's where that part of 
the, the data, the information really can contribute and contribute on a really uh, outstanding basis is the ability to identify somebody before you become somebody. And when you get that kind of a thing working in and really know what you're looking for, you could, uh, you could identify the diamond in the rough. Yeah, by the way, you're 100% correct on Alvarez. Definitely eyeballed Charlie Gonzalez. The scout saw him. Jordan didn't show the kind of power we're seeing now in the big leagues, but he, he saw the frame, saw the swing, knew the potential was there for power. Mm-hmm. And interesting story, by the way, about that deal. Um, when the Dodgers asked about Josh Fields, the Astros came back and by text. They asked for the Cuban free agent they had signed, Y dot, using the initial for the first name, Alvarez. <laughs> and the Dodgers actually had another Y dot Alvarez, a pitcher who they had invested $32 million in, who was a free agent from Cuba. And the Dodgers right away said, no way. We had way too much money invested in this guy. We're not going to trade him now. Uh-huh. And the Astros figured out that there was a little miscommunication. They said, no, we're talking about the Jordan Alvarez, the left-handed hitter. And he had gotten $2 million, And the Dodgers said, oh, yeah, okay, we'll talk about him. <laughs> and that's how the deal got done. Well, this guy's not done. I'm t- he's one of the best. He's one of the best young hitters in the game. Agreed. I think he was stifled. Like I said, I think they you've suggested, and I think it's true, they kind of start pitching him in a, in a better way. But I also think fatigue was part of that, the fact that he was pressing. He really wanted to get that big hit, and he needed to. That that team last night needed him to come through in that moment. Out of all that, the different players on that team, uh, what I saw this year playing against them, him and Tucker, but him primarily, I, I used to have Mikey Trout would be standing next to me, and I'd say to Mike, this is one of the top five hitters in the game. You're right. I do not disagree with that. He hits lefties as well, if not better than righties. Power hits for average. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I- I've got to ask Joe Madden about the key managerial move in game six. And speaking of managers, we have to talk about Dusty Baker. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Book of Joe. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
we went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. We are wrapping up the World Series Astros 4-1 win in Game 6. And remember... This podcast, if you like this, you have to check out our book of the same name, The Book of Joe. You can buy it wherever books are sold. I mentioned the key decision in the game, and it was pretty much every day for Rob Thompson of the Phillies. It was about controlling that pocket of the two lefties in three spots in the lineup, Alvarez and Tucker. Here's the situation, folks. You've got Zach Wheeler on the mound at 70 pitches. With two runners on base, one out, he has not allowed a run, sixth inning. Now it's the pocket up. It's Jordan Alvarez. His decision is stick with the plan that he went into the World Series really dedicated to, and that is Alvarado on Alvarez. Or does he go off his own instinct plan, whatever you want to call it, and stick with his ace, Zach Wheeler, who is throwing the ball very well. And certainly the pitch count is not a factor. He went with Alvarez, and I got to tell you, Joe, I didn't have a big problem with that because you're bringing in your best left-handed relief pitcher in that situation, World Series elimination game. He's managing aggressively. Listen, I wouldn't have a problem if he went the other way because Wheeler was throwing the ball that well, but I wasn't surprised when he did it because this is what he has done. Of course, Alvarez winds up hitting a three-run homer 450 feet over the batter's eye in center field. Now, One thing I did think about as the change was being made, and I texted my buddy Ken Rosenthal about this, exposure. In a seven-game series, when you're matching up the relief pitcher on the same guy over and over again, he gets more looks in real time, not just on the iPad, about what the guy is throwing. Alvarez wasn't great, or Alvarado wasn't great his last time out. And I just think exposure caught up with him the way you guys with the Cubs in 16 caught up with Andrew Miller in Game 7. I saw it happen to Brandon Morrow with the Dodgers in 17. I saw it happen with Nick Anderson with the Rays in 20. I've seen it happen a lot in a seven-game series. Maybe it was a factor, maybe it wasn't. But, Joe, I'm curious your take about how to handle that situation when it came around because, obviously, that turned the deciding game of the World Series. Yeah, that was they had that predetermined before the game, and I think Robbie had that predetermined before the game. So it's hard to walk away from that. The number of pitches thrown, uh, really is not relevant at that point uh, regarding uh, Wheeler. You would not even consider that. It was just a part of the game that uh, was sixth inning. You said it was a sixth inning, correct? So in a sixth inning, you really that you, you already have it laid out after that too, and you feel pretty good about what's going to happen after that. So I, I don't blame him at all. Um, that's how they were doing things. That was their uh, method of operation to really like pull one out of the hat right there and say, yeah, I'm just going to stick with Wheeler right here. Uh, even though I had this dude warming up. Now, the other point is he's warming up, and then when he warms up then, how do you use him later, especially if he's been used that often into the series? All of all those things are factors. Familiarity, um, again, when you talk about Valdez as a starting pitcher and the kind of weapons he possesses as opposed to uh, Alvarado, it's primarily uh, he's beating you over the head with his fastball. He's got a good breaking ball, but he's going to try to beat you with the one 
primary tool right there. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, timing in your head, I'm sure uh, Jordan was looking at that and just he had, he had one, his, his mental clock was set at 100 miles an hour. He was getting started on time. And then if you look in an area and it just happens to be there, good for you, bully for you. But you have a better chance, I think, to do that versus a relief pitcher like that with limited um, uh, select, select, uh, selection regarding his pitches as opposed to a Valdez or a starter that's really uh, has a variety of different things and looks and changes speeds to give you more of a, of a concern. So all those things are playing in that moment. I don't blame Rob for doing that whatsoever. Uh, but you're right. I mean, uh, uh, Rodan with the left-handed pitcher, it doesn't bother him. I learned that real quickly last year. He does not bother him at all. Doesn't bother Tucker at all. That's that's a part of that group's success. So, yeah, um, something that you would consider. You may uh, think about it a little bit. But in that particular game, uh, their formula had been working. There was no reason to walk away from it. Yeah, I agreed on all that. Now let's talk about Dusty Baker. I mean, anybody in baseball, even if you don't really know him that well, you're happy for Dusty Baker. Why? It's not just because he's a good manager. He's a good human being. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the way the players respond to Dusty, the way they play for him. Of course, 25 years managing the big leagues. He had managed and won more games, including the postseason, than any manager in history without winning the World Series. Well, that's over with. He got his world championship. Of course, Joe, you were there at the heartbreak in 2002, game six. Five-nothing lead, eight outs to go. It looked like Dusty was going to get that win early in his managing career, and the Angels would not be denied. So kudos to Dusty Baker. Well-deserved, incredible baseball life. I thought he was a Hall of Famer. Whether he won this World Series or not, this makes it even more obvious that he is. Oh, I agree 100%. Um, I'm a big Dusty guy, too. He and I would talk a lot uh, whenever we were at the ballpark together playing against one another, even to his son. His son, I was trying to help him out with a project a couple years ago, and Dusty was just, anytime somebody attempts to help your kid, you're indebted to that person forever. I I feel the same way. So we've always had that conversation, uh, working against him in the other dugout. Um, You know, he's always there with good teams. They're always there at the end. And I know his team's always going to play loose. They're not going to be hung up on anything. And he handles both good and bad really equally well. I, and I think those are great attributes to be a major league manager for many years. Because if you, if you burn that candle too hotly or brightly, it's going to eventually burn out and, and turn on you. So I think he's had the right demeanor, uh, the right to, to have this kind of shelf life in the major leagues. I think his experience and how he is permits him uh, regarding uh, uh, front offices or GMs or whatever to want him with their particular group, because he's the kind of guy you want when you have a team that's maybe poised to win. Um, and what he did there post-scandal to really calm things down, I don't think he's been given enough credit for that, uh, just the way he would hang in the dugout there and how he would not overreact. And I would have to believe the players took counsel with him a lot. And, he, and of course, he did a wonderful job with them because they took it. They took it. They wore it. They knew they did something wrong. Um, you know, They didn't make a lot of excuses um, uh, outlandishly, uh, outwardly. And I think he had a lot to do with that. I think the way he calmed that whole situation down uh, really um, was an absolutely brilliant job on his part. So very happy for him, happy for his family. And yeah, he is, he was a Hall of Famer prior to this ever happening. Yeah, I like your point about the situation he walked into. Listen, he gave that organization instant credibility uh, at a time when it was lacking, obviously, because of the sign-stealing scandal. He handled everything, as he always does, with grace and dignity. Just the perfect guy. Jim Crane told me the story last night that 
he put together, Jim Crane, his own list of people that he wanted as a manager. This is after he fired A.J. Hinch and the general manager, Jeff Lunau. And he knew he needed somebody with experience. That was priority number one. He needs somebody who had been through the wars, had been through a lot of ups and downs. And obviously, Dusty is going to be on that list with all his experience and wisdom and knowledge. Jim Crane took him out to lunch. He said it was a two and a half hour lunch and it felt like 10 minutes. He said we connected. We had a lot of things in common. And he said when that lunch was over, I knew who my next manager was. He called up Dusty the next day and he said, you're my man. Let's go. And it couldn't have been a better fit. And you saw the way I think the players after the game responded, Mm -hmm. not just to winning a championship for themselves, but winning for their manager. And that's just a cool thing when that happens. Yeah, when you get a total buy-in like that, it really makes a big difference. Uh, There's going to be a lot of moments during the year when things don't go well. Uh, Sometimes a player needs to be picked up. Sometimes a manager needs to be picked up. And it just seemed that they had each other's back from both sides, and it was very obvious. And again, I think it was nurtured, um, obviously, exactly when when Dusty came on board during that particular moment. And right, his demeanor, his calm, um, his, uh, his, his wisdom, and he's got a ton of that really benefited that group and it culminated in yesterday's win. Hey, as long as we did bring up, and it's okay to talk about it now with Dusty, I guess, 2002 game seven, mm-hmm. five, nothing lead. Yeah. Seven outs to go. What's your memories of that night, that game, Joe? Well, it's almost, you know, it's similar to a couple years ago when Snell came out of that game against the Dodgers. We were happy. He was taking our tees out. We weren't doing very well. Um, and the other thing you have to consider, remember too, this is an elimination game. And it's hard for teams to come back. You saw the looks on the Phillies' faces after that home run uh, yesterday by Alvarez. And I'm telling you, I've always had this talk with my guys uh, before a playoff game uh, situation even begins that I would never want to see that look on our faces, this resignation that it's over, that we can't fight back. So I'm setting that up for the 2002 Angels, who were used to coming back and really had as much grit as any team ever played on. So Dusty goes out there, takes him out, and – the guy they bring in was it Rodriguez, right? Uh, right. Right-handed pitcher, really just threw all fastballs. And mm-hmm. here comes Spees, and that's perfect because Spees only hit fastballs. So from our perspective, we really like that. But on the other hand, uh, Dusty took the ball <laughs> from Ortiz and gave it to him walking off the mound. And our brilliant first base coach, uh, Coach Alfredo Griffin, saw this whole thing and brought it to the dugout. And that really stirred everybody up. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. He brought his guy in, and uh, I knew from our perspective, because uh, I knew what I knew at that time, this was the perfect matchup for speed, so I was happy about that. But then again, you still have to hit the baseball, and that just opened the floodgates, Ersty, and then Rob Nen just wasn't himself at that time. So that particular moment, um, wow, you're dead in the water. This guy's dominating, and here all of a sudden we get this other opportunity, and, and then the ball goes over Reggie Sanders' heads, and, and I'm running up to take a – to go to the bathroom and I'm wondering if there's uh, cables running for all across the hallway, all the way, all the way over to the giants clubhouse. And that really upset us too. Uh, hey, I, by the way, I liked your observation about, you know, elimination game mm-hmm. where a team kind of is broken, right? And sometimes you can see that. Yeah. I saw that last night as well with the Phillies, you know, because it was in the Astros park, because the home run was just not just important. It was monumental. It was a bomb. Mm-hmm. And you have that Astros bullpen as well. That game felt like it was 14 to one instead of four to one. Mm-hmm. I kept looking at the scoreboard and saying, there's three innings to go and it's only a three run game, but this game feels like it's over. 
And I think I, if I recall, Joe, there was one time, it might have been that same year in 2002, or maybe it was five, where you were playing the Yankees. Yep. And you noticed that the Yankees were broken when they were out on the field. I, that's where I learned it. I learned it in 2002. Uh, was the game five in Anaheim. We had to beat him in New York. We game was over like one o'clock in the morning or something like that. We had to fly back to Anaheim the next day. Yeah, you're right. It was five. You're exactly right. It was five because we came back and we beat him the next day. And and in the latter part of the game, I'm looking out there, and uh, you could see you had him. You had him. Um, there was just a there was not that that normal fight. The look in their eyes was just different. And I'm looking from the dugout out into the Yankees infield with a bunch of really good players. And I thought to myself, wow, this is something I really have to pay attention to in the future because I just I never want that to be the look on our team or my team at any point. So I, I learned it in, in that moment. And so I would have, like I said, I would have that talk or that speech with my guys every year we went into the playoffs just for that particular moment, that reason, because it's tough, man. When you when you get to that point and you have all this resolve, you have this fight, you have this grit all year, and then a playoff bomb occurs, something like that. Uh, the Angels beat you in New York, and they come back. They beat you in a 5 o'clock afternoon game in Anaheim with the sun in everybody's face. It's it's not easy to fight through these moments. So I've always encouraged my guys to be aware of that, know something bad's going to happen, and they're going to have to fight back from it at some point in order to win this thing. Great observation. Hey, quick break here, and when we get back, I want to talk to Joe about Dusty Baker's playlist. We'll do that right after this. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Uh, Joe, uh, now that we're done with the World Series, any final thoughts you want to bring up about uh, the 118th World Series, which is now in the history books? I thought it. I thought it did a lot of good for baseball. I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, I thought it, I don't. I don't know to what level it was well watched, but I thought it was interesting from my perspective. Uh, I know I'm in Pennsylvania right now, so there's a lot of Philly fans, and maybe 
I was influenced by all of that. But I, I thought both teams represented really well. Um, everything that had been talked about, and for those that are really trying to become baseball fans, the importance of pitching and how the Astros were able to dominate based on their starting pitching and bullpen. And where, with the way the format is set up, a team that only wins 87 games has a chance to possibly play in the last game of the year and win it, uh, not unlike what Atlanta did last year. I'm always concerned about uh, growing the game and how the game's going to be grown in the interest. And uh, so you're always looking for good moments, uh, good storylines, uh, whether it's Schwerber, uh, whether it was Valdez, whether it was Christian Javier, Verlander getting his first one. Um, there's so many cool little things, Alvarez's bomb, to to talk about. So that's that's my thing about this and this time of the year. Whatever we can do to put and showcase the game out there, teach it, have people become more interested in it, uh, really uh, shape uh, the, the the participants and, and, and report on them like you did, man, with all the little uh, – vignettes that you had during the course of the game to me that stuff's kind of cool so um anything anything possible and i think this series is the kind of series i don't know it's probably as close to the cub indian series as i've seen in a bit in regards to entertainment and the fact that people wanted to tune in because both time both sides both teams are kind of charismatic and that was my takeaway yeah i will double down on that as well joe well said because remember this year started with a lockout Mm mm-hmm and at the end of the season, we wound up talking about the game. Mm-hmm. Baseball took over, and it was great. And I think a couple of things worked here. You had the new format with the postseason expanding, one team added to each league, and you saw baseball, I don't want to say revive, but really pick up interest in places like Philadelphia, which had the longest playoff drought in the National League. We all know it's a great baseball town. Seattle came back to life. Baltimore came back to life, didn't reach the postseason, but certainly a team to keep your eye on going forward. So as you mentioned, stars shown in the postseason, guys like Bryce Harper and Justin Verlander in the World Series and other ones that you didn't think would be headliners, which always happens. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Pena winds up winning the AL MVP and the World Series MVP and won a gold glove. It's pretty good for a rookie. Outstanding. So, yeah, I, I, I think it was a, a great show for baseball. Very entertaining, the games. We got a no-hitter in the World Series, a, a five-home run game for the Phillies. Just about every game brought us something that was really cool. And speaking of every game bringing us something every cool, I always enjoy the daily visits with the managers before a World Series game. And with Dusty Baker, of course, it's always entertaining. Uh, and there's always some background music going on. So like keeping score during a game, I would jot down what was playing in his office each day when we visited. And it's a, it's a great window into kind of the varied interests of Dusty Baker, right? Yes. He First day, game one, was Muddy Waters. We're going to listen to some blues. Game two, Fleetwood Mac. Game three, Eric Clapton. Game four, Migos, a hip-hop group. Uh, Five was Tupac, and six was Big Mama Thornton, (laughs) who sang the original version of Hound Dog, not Elvis Presley. So that's kind of a window into our guy Dusty and uh, just a treat to spend time with him. And I I know, Joe, you can relate to the whole music scene and get yourself in in the right way before a game. Yeah, he's uh, eclectic compared to my uh, start me up with the Stones before every playoff game run in 2008. I love that about Dusty. I mean, I my my uh, taste buds are there, but I don't have the same kind of um, mental cachet that he does knowing all these different artists and where they had come from <laughs> and, 
and the uh, ability to just pull them up and, and probably know the words of each song. I think that's outstanding. But I knew you were going to bring something up about that. So being that it was in Texas for me with Dusty, um, I went with ZZ Top. And um, the one thing about Dusty, I've always thought he's a sharp-dressed man. So I'm really happy for him. I think uh, ZZ Top and sharp-dressed man truly fits Dusty in this particular moment. All the different um, accolades he's going to pick up this winter, all the places he's going to have to go and put a suit on. Uh, he is a sharp-dressed man, and I love him for all that. Very nice. So this kind of wraps up at least our World Series and postseason episodes of the Book of Joe podcast. And remember, this is based on the book, the actual Book of Joe, which you can buy wherever you buy your books, either the audio version, which is great, or old-school printed version. Uh, and Joe, I know you've been traveling around the country or at least a lot of different places and uh, via Zoom um, making appearances. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything coming up on the calendar where people might want to check out a book signing or interview for the Book of Joe? Yeah, surely. Thank you. Uh, Friday, November 11th at from 4 to 6 p.m., I'm going to be at the Hazleton One Community Center here in Hazleton. That's where our HIP project is located. That's 225 East 4th Street in Hazleton. So that's Friday, November 11th at 4 to 6 and then the next night, uh, November 12th, Saturday at Bookends Bookstore in Ridgewood, New Jersey. It's 211 East Ridgewood Avenue in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And that's from 6 to 730. Uh, my college roommate, Danny Keeley, is probably going to be in attendance. And then on Wednesday, November 16th, I'm going to be in Chicago, Union League Club of Chicago. The event is, um, I guess it's kind of a luncheon and it starts at 1130. And that's going to be followed by Anderson's Bookshop at 615 on the same day. So that would be, again, the same day being Wednesday, November 16th. And that's in Chicago. I'm also going to be part of an autograph show there on November 18th, a big, big autograph show in Chicago. I'm going to be there. Um, I can't remember exactly where it is, but I, I know you could find that easily. So it's kind of busy. You're right. Been on a lot of uh, Zoomers and uh, different kind of interviews. It's been outstanding. And yesterday I did a signing up at Barnes & Noble. Just want you to know we did a nice job of selling some books up there. It was a great crowd. So I really, I do, and I know you do appreciate everybody that's uh, been purchasing these books. And uh, we've got a lot of great feedback about it. And I also want to thank iHeartRadio for giving us this platform, Vince, to put all these messages out there. That Everything kind of dovetails into what we've been talking about here for the last couple of weeks in regard to what's in the book. And Tom's done a wonderful job of uh, bringing that all together. And and finally, Tom, thank you. I mean, Tommy's the guy that's uh, directed me through all of this and uh, would not be able to do either the book or this particular podcast without his guidance. So I really want to appreciate all your expertise and friendship, too. Listen, same for me. The crew behind us has been outstanding, both in putting the book together and the podcast and mm-hmm. And I think you think like me, Joe, you only want to do something to the highest quality and it it takes literally a team Mm -hmm. and our names are on the podcast. Our names are on the book cover, but there's many people who contributed to the final product that hopefully you enjoy either book version or podcast. And, uh, just a little bit worried about your golf game, Joe, with all these appearances. Uh, hopefully, it's, it's don't be, don't be. Okay, no, it's getting better. Don't be. It's down with seven one on the on the handicap thing. Okay, so the next time we play, you're giving me strokes. I hope so. I would love to. I would love to be able to give you strokes. I would love to be able to be in that position. Absolutely. And who knows if there's enough uh, demand out there? Maybe we'll come back with some uh, yeah special episodes of the Book of Joe podcast. What do you think? I'm in, man. I'm I'm very much in. I really enjoyed this, uh, and it and it helps me mentally to stay focused and and really follow the game more closely. Just the, the exchange. I'm always into the exchange. The conversation. I think is a big part of this. 
uh, we've talked about that, the, the, the trying not to be perfect, that perfection is a boring concept because uh, conversations and controversy, in a sense, ensue. And that's good. That's good for the game. It's good like even to talk about whether or not Robbie should have brought um, his relief pitcher in or, or Lee Wheeler in last night. And, of course, that's good. That's, that, that's good to create that conversation, whether you agree with it or not. And that's what creates interest in our game. And, and there needs to be more of that barroom kind of a thing um, with, with civility. <laughs> also, that's a big part of it, too, that I, um, I would like to be able to promote. Well said, because I, I that's one of the reasons, many reasons why I enjoy the conversations with you, because it's never about just sticking at a position and stubbornly sticking to it. We have way too much of that in the world today. Mm-hmm. It's about offering an opinion and listening. And maybe you hear something that challenges your position and maybe you double down your position or it moves you off it. But at least you are considerate of the other way of looking at something. It's all about perspective. So thank you for that, Joe. 100%. Could I, could I cl- conclude with one thought right here? Please do. Uh, this is something I got from Johnny Vandermeer. I was reading, and uh, this is outstanding, and it really uh, kind of sums up this, this, uh, this baseball season and this World Series event. Kids are always chasing rainbows, but baseball is a world where you can catch them, and that's what just occurred. Beautiful. Nice way to end it. So if it is the end or not, hopefully we'll see you down the road somewhere, somehow. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Tommy. And thanks, Vince. And thanks, iHeart. Appreciate it, man. Good stuff. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.